Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, Keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. podcast, 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 podcast. Yo, what's going on, beautiful people? This is Dissonomics here. You are listening, of course, to the Dissonomics podcast. I hope you've enjoyed your week. I know it's been a very distressing week in terms of geopolitics and what we've seen going on. Um, a quick re- reminder, if you, if, you didn't, if you didn't notice, but first of all, there's no more pods on SoundCloud. Rest in peace. Gone but not forgotten. Strictly Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all your other good podcast, um, podcast players. That's because I'm going two pods a week, so that's why I probably have some ads. You know what I mean? Trying to get that back, dog. So um, I did a midweek podcast. You'll be seeing these. They'll appear Thursday midnight. Bang. So make sure you are following on Spotify. You're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and you're giving them a five-star review. Please. So yeah, um, episode 234. So basically three podcasts in a row have literally been about Ukraine. So the last one was Shubi interfering in the next man's country. I speak on the philosophy of of foreign policy so check that out and I gave some more recent history with regards to what's happening in Ukraine and then obviously this week's podcast I'm joined by MT Omanihi Um, great guy worked a lot in politics did two years being the UK's liaison with um, oh is it with the UN I completely forgot his job which is very terrible but Sorry, he says it in the podcast, very patent guy. Make sure you follow the Common Sense Network. So it's a very good podcast. We get into the nitty gritty of what's going on. Who's Putin? Why is he mad? What's the history? What's the history of Ukraine? What is Crimea? Why did this Crimean war happen eight years ago? What's the relevance today? Who? What role do Belarus play? What's happening right now? Are other countries gonna put boots on the ground? Are sanctions gonna work? So everything you need to know about this Ukrainian crisis, we cover for you this week in this week's podcast. And yeah, make sure you enjoy and tell a friend to tell a friend. Peace. Hi, it's MXM and listen to the Dysonomics podcast because it's late. late. Yo people, what's going on? Dysonomics here. Of course you're here listening to Dysonomics podcast. This week we're gonna be discussing what we've seen in the last seven days, which has been quite shocking to be, to be perfectly honest with you. Russia has invaded Ukraine. We're seeing fighting all over Ukraine. And who better to talk to this than somebody who's very, very averse, well averse when it comes to to politics. Special guest, who are you today? <laughs> hey bro, um, MT Omni here or Mike Omni. Um, yeah, man, you know, I have a special interest in Europe, actually. I was thinking about it the other day. I used to be a UK young ambassador to the European Union. So um, there was a good two years where all I literally lived and breathed was uh, EU politics. So here we are. Yeah, so you're the perfect person to speak to this. But before we get <laughs> into the podcast, so what um, what do you do in your spare time? Let people know about um, the Common Sense Network and your YouTube and everything. Got you. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you said spare time, but uh, 
<laughs> Essentially, what I what what I do is, um, you know, I run a news network, an alternative news network, and so what we try and do there is, um, you know, cover stories that maybe the mainstream media aren't covering, the BBC aren't interested in. And we're really kind of big on this issue of polarization, division. So, you know, we try and bring left-wing people, right-wing people, people with different perspectives together. That's the kind of aim of, of the news network. So, I mean, take this Russia issue right now. Based on what you read, you'll have a totally different perception of what's going on in Russia the Russia state media are still calling this a special operation by the Kremlin. So they're saying that Russia has basically went into Ukraine to uh, pacify some neo-Nazis um, and, you know, and there's been no casualties. That's literally what has been said in Russia. And, and just for, for folks who are wondering, 60% um, of people in Russia um, say that either they only watch the state kind of TV channels or it's their main source of um of of media in terms of finding out what's going on in the world. So obviously us in the West who have access to the internet, who can see people posting what they what's really going on, we have a certain perception perception. And some people in Russia, to them, you know, they're having breakfast this morning and, and you know they're they're just going, Good luck, Putin, in your peace operation. That's it that is totally, totally insane to me. So so for I'm trying to think the what the main question is. So the main question is what's going on? So in your opinion, like, what is going on right now? So, what are we seeing right now? Well, it's it's um, it's it's really kind of it, it, it's simple but also complicated. Simple in that Russia has always occupied a, a certain row, if you like, following the end of the Cold War. So when the Cold War ended, when the Berlin Wall fell, everyone remembers those pictures. Mm. We basically declared the end, the end, sorry, of you know autocratic leadership, the end of the Soviet Union, and so you know uh, the the West pretty much declared victory. The Western way won, democracies won. And so really from that time, Russia, um, you know, the, the, the became a very diminished figure on the world stage, right? Because they lost all the countries they used to control, you know, places like Belarus, places like the Ukraine. And, and you know, Putin, who was then the kind of the next leader after, after Yeltsin, who kind of, you know, uh, helped us start the country's new future. He's always wanted to get back to that stage where Russia is, you know, the most important player on the world stage, Russia's the you know, biggest country, biggest military. He's always wanted that. And so what we've seen is a very slow burn from that initial you know, time that, that Putin took over. By the way, that was about 22 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. You know, he's been slowly building, slowly prepping, slowly building, slowly prepping for this moment where he's kind of imperial, imperialist uh, quest basically begins again. So the idea is, you know, take hold of Ukraine. And so Ukraine is part of the kind of Russian orbit. And of course, uh, everyone's kind of thinking about what he will do next. Will he attack some NATO countries? Will he push into uh, further into Eastern Europe? He, people don't know yet. But I think the key thing here is, is Putin's ambition, a certain kind of messianic ambition to uh, grow Russia's orbit of power. Yeah, he's been very clear in terms of what his thoughts on the situation is. So he can't, people can't be, people can't accuse Putin of mincing his words. Like he, he, he literally said, yo, Ukraine, 
really and truly, you were never really an independent state. So stop lying. That's what he's basically said that you, we've always owned you and then we're one, we're brothers, da, 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 da. So basically you should be with us and there's no reason for you to be with NATO. So the kind of, well, obviously this really kicked off. Let's go back. So obviously we had the Crimea, the Crimea war in 2014. So speak to the listeners on why, why that happened, why that's significant and what's been happening since. Yeah, I mean, we call it a war, but the, the truth is he just kind of took Crimea. Didn't yeah. <laughs> so, so and, and the world let it happen and the world carried on doing business with Russia. But essentially, uh, Crimea was, was annexed by Russia. And so what that essentially means is it's a part, a certain landmass that was part of uh, Ukraine that Russia said that actually it belonged to them. Now, there's lots of complicated history as to who it belongs to, but technically it belongs to the Ukraine as in the, Ukraine, the Ukrainian state. Uh, Russia took that in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, and essentially, if you look at this this kind of um, this attack he, he's made uh, on Ukraine, um, it, you know, a, a, a large number of his of his troops, 190,000, were being told approximately were situated or were placed before the invasion in either Belarus or in Crimea, essentially, from the from the south uh, is where they came from. So it's a, it's, it's a really important uh, landmass uh, for him anyways, because, you know, it meant that he could attack the Ukraine from the from the north, uh, from the east, uh, and, and from the south. Um, and that really was the beginning of him, you know, really starting to make a, a, a massive land grab for what is one of the biggest countries uh, uh, in, in Europe. So... The difficulty is Putin knows, and he's always known this, that the way diplomacy works in the West, no one's going to actually put boots, boots on the ground, like no soldiers will actually come on the ground. And so he's always he's always sought to destabilize Europe and to kind of, you know, shake up the balance of power, you know, just really kind of uh, mess things up. And, 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 you know, Crimea was the start of that. But what we're seeing now, you know, a lot of folks you know, will say it's, it's another step towards just destabilizing the balance of power in, in, in Europe and, and really just just uh, shaking things up. Yeah. Um... Obviously, he obviously annexed Crimea in what twenty fourteen. Nobody really, really did anything if we're keeping it, if we're keeping it one hundred. And then fast forward what eight years now, he's launched a full scale invasion on Ukraine. So a lot of people are thinking, okay, cool. Like I know you, like why, why, why are you so mad? Like what did Ukraine do to you? Well, um, he like from all the word that's come out of the Kremlin is that Ukraine joining NATO is like a big no, no, no. Like how dare you join NATO? So I'd like you to speak with your experience, speak to the, speak to my listeners that, to tell them what NATO is and why Putin is very much against joining, um, Ukraine joining NATO. And why would NATO want to join Ukraine? I mean, why would Ukraine want to join NATO, sorry? Yeah, I mean, it's really quite odd because it seems as though, you know, to, to give a, a, an example, you know, when you have like an ex, <laughs> and you don't want to be with them anymore, but you but you also don't want to be with anybody. Um, and <laughs> really serious matters, but obviously, you know, the, an illustration is helpful. Um, it, th th that's what it, it seems as though Putin was asking for, was for Ukraine to kind of exist in this limbo where, you know, it shares a border with Russia, so the threat of Russian aggression is always there. 
but they couldn't join any treaty or any uh, any group, you know, that, that would give it support because the fears that the fear Russia has, sorry, is that then Ukraine would ha- have enough kind of power to 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 uh, to make a to make a charge um, at, at Russia. So so with NATO, NATO is this collection, you know, uh, of countries. Um, that essentially f- formed pretty much after, like you said, the fall of the Soviet Union, after the world wars, you know, a, a group of countries that basically come together to share resources. But also, it's like a pact. And it's like a, it's like a, it's like a gang almost, right, that says that, and there's a couple of treaties in the, you know, in the pact, one of which is, if you're a member of NATO, and you're attacked by another kind of non-member of NATO, then every single member of NATO will, will basically back it, as it mm. were, and go and um, uh, go deal with that person that's attacking you, that, that, that the person who's deemed as the aggressor. Now, other members of NATO are the USA, mm. <laughs> one on your side. You've got, you know, the UK, of course. Now, our, our military is greatly diminished. Um, because now we just put a lot of money into NATO because we figured out NATO is a much better way to defend yourself than to just build your own army. I mean, imagine just knowing that, you know, so and so many countries will come to your aid if anyone tries to attack you. Yeah, 100%. Anyways, so, so Russia's fear is that, you know, Ukraine that has a much smaller army than they have, if Ukraine joins NATO, then Article 4, which is the, the, the pact I'm talking about, can be triggered such that if Russia tried to attack Ukraine, then Ukraine will just call on the USA, you know, France, Germany, all the other members of NATO. And then, of course, you know, they, 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 they would totally do damage to, to, to Putin. So that's his fear. He doesn't want them to join um, 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 NATO because it, it basically insulates them from his kind of power. But there's another kind of ideological thing here. Putin hates the West. He just thinks the West is uncoordinated. He hates the way we do politics, the way we do freedom of the press, all these kind of crucial you know, things about the West. He hates it. And so, as you said before, uh, I like, he, he, oh, sorry, this genomics is your... Evil yeah, your... works, evil works. Stage name. Mm. For, uh, Beyonce. That's your face. Anyways, um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so he hates the West. He doesn't believe uh, in the West, and, and he doesn't believe um, 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 uh, Ukraine is a real country. So as Ukraine sought to align itself more and more with the West, it, you know, it kind of enrages Putin, who has this belief um, uh, 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 in the kind of in his world order, in his world system. That's what he's interested in. He thinks the way the way he does politics, the way they do diplomacy, the way they do um, uh, country building, you know, is the best way to go. Now, for those who are listening, who are very skeptical, you're like, hold on, Mike, this sounds very one-sided. You're painting Putin as the bad guy and us as the good guys. Listen, there are no good guys. Every country is interested in its own self-interest. And, 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 you know, I was having a fierce debate with a friend yesterday. He was like, oh, well, Britain's not innocent. I said, listen, listen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay to be self-critical, to be reflective. That's the kind of benefits of being a democracy. But let's not beat around the bush here. All of us have, like, every country should have self-determination. That's at least something we believe in. For that reason, you could you can't just turn a blind eye to a democratically elected leader, a democratic state with democratic institutions, just been ran over by some <laughs> random guy who believed that he should be, his country should be bigger than it is. We, we, you can't just say, oh, well, let's just let it go, as it were. So, so those are some of Putin's motivation, I would say. It, it's also this, this hatred 
that he's uh, that he's harbored about the West, you know, mainly because of the fall of the Soviet Union, something that that he he, he believed in. Yeah. So to piggyback off you, um, for people who don't know, Putin also used to be a KGB spy. So that's like the like he was a spy for Russia. So that kind of gives you some more insight to his philosophy. And I've been watching like loads of documentaries because um, I can't remember to read. I'm not going to read a five thousand word essay from Putin. I'm just not. I'm, <laughs> I'm just not. So I, 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 don't I, say, think, I don't think anyone will. Yeah. So I just watched like a lot of, lot, lot of documentaries and podcasts about it, and he's been writing for years about how he believes that the communists, so for those who don't know um, very well, uh, Russia used to be the USSR, Soviet Union, and they used to like all the countries that you see like Serbia, Belarus, Poland, all these countries, Ukraine, are all under Soviet ruling. And there were the communist party under obviously Joseph Stalin initially. And um, he was like, yeah, the communists, like they finished us. They really, and obviously after the Cold War, they signed a terrible deal, like Russia was shafted and, and he also believes that, and from from what I've read of his words, and I believe it's a, and I believe he genuinely believes this because he Putin doesn't seem like Putin does propaganda, but when he speaks about the West, like I feel like he speaks his chest. I genuinely believe that he is paranoid. I'm not sure if he's paranoid is the right word because there's evidence for it that he believes that the West, who are the ops, his enemies, are they keep encroaching eastwards. So you've got countries like Poland and so and so on and so forth that are part of NATO that are not too far from him. And he's like, wait, Ukraine, who's our our little brother, the way he sees it, if they join NATO, NATO is on our doorstep. That's our biggest border. NATO, like, so Russia has, what, two main, what, Belarus, who, which is basically under Russian control, really and truly, and Ukraine. So I think Putin is also worried that NATO troops are going to be right on my footstep. So if if it ever gets to push, comes to shove, if anything gets a bit, you know what I mean? It gets a bit, gets a bit techie. They're on my doorstep. I don't want that. <laughs> and I'm sure as hell I don't want my, um, he, cause he believes that um, Ukraine and Russia are one, which is, which there is some form of evidence cause like in the Eastern parts of Ukraine, um, one third of um, Ukrainians are ethnic Russian. I think one fifth of, Ukrainians can speak Russian or speak Russian or something along those lines. Yeah, but, but. I, you know, I, I, I hear you. By the way, I think you're you're right on 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 everything. I think in terms of you know, at every border, there's 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 always bleeding, and what I mean by that is, you know, you know, even Nigerian border, like I mean, there's always people who speak the language of mm. the country and, mm. and move. I mean, that's normal, but 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 you know, to, to, for that for that, and I don't think that's his main justification. But but for that to be the justification of his land grab is a bit like, okay, so even if one third speak Russian, the whole country don't speak Russian, so why don't you stop at the one third? Just, like he, he he's he's still trying to take over the whole country, and, and you know, right yeah. now, I, I, as of today, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the hundred well, hundred percent. I think that how I assess it, I think. Before they were cool with Ukraine, yeah, you can do your little, do you know what I mean? Your little, your little democracy in inverted comma things, but that'll be under our puppet guy. So he does the thing we want. So do you remember before, I can't remember the name of the previous one they got rid of, I can't remember his name, where obviously Ukrainian economy wasn't doing very well. They wanted the EU like, yo, we got a deal that we can do, da 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 And then like, nah, the Ukrainian, <laughs> Ukrainian puppet um, president was like, we're not going to do this deal. We're going to get a $13 billion from bail- bailout from Russia. And they stormed the streets. They were furious. So Russia seems like, Russia just wants Ukrainian under their thumb, wherever it, whether it's literally where, because where, if Russia does take over Ukraine, 
they're going to take over Ukraine and, and put in their own government. That's what they're going to do and pretend it's a democracy. So yeah, it, it is. It is. It is a land grab. And I think. Yeah. And I think you, you said it perfectly at the, at the top of uh, one of your question answers, where um, Putin wants to return Russia to that Soviet Union, that having dominance over the eastwards. And he always complains. He goes, "Listen, we we never go westwards. Like you're always coming east." So he's like, "Wait, you took all of our you took all of our land, and you want to take no, 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 no. This this belongs to us." So I think it's definitely that land grab. And I do think there's also a, a high level of paranoia between them and the West, between Russia and the West. Oh yeah, like he, I mean, he he he. You know, you know what I think. You know, so when you think about like leaders, um, you know, just even Uganda's leader, like uh, you know, uh, back, back in the days. Um, there's something about being in charge for a long, long time that that, that means you're kind of you're not as sharp as you once were. So, so, so take Putin. Putin's been prime minister or president of, of of Russia for the past 22 years. That's always crazy to remember that because I mean, you know, after that after that amount of time in leadership, there is a certain degree to which you start to feel invincible. Uh, you start to feel like you're Teflon. <laughs> and for the most part, that's when mistakes actually start to come in. So I tweeted it the other day. I didn't get many uh, many supporters. I think I tweeted that for him, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, I said that I think this will be his great undoing because, because, <clears throat> because people on the streets don't support this Russian invasion. And even though, like I said, you know, a lot of people get their, their media from, from, Russian, from the Russian state uh, in Russia. There is a growing working class, you know, kind of, professional class who use the internet right and so who are aware of what's going on and there's only there's only it's only it's only for so much longer that he's going to be able to kind of hide yeah and and here's the truth right there's a famous quote that says that uh you know dictators win in the short term but democracies always win in the long term and so how he rewrites history to you know I, i don't think it's possible and i think Give it a couple of years as these sanctions take uh, take a, a tougher grip. You know, Putin's power again will be diminished. I mean, it's 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 a really weird uh, um, hill to die on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. you could. I was to say you should be a podcaster, but you do have a podcast. But that's a perfect segue into what I wanted to talk about next. So we spoke about the the kind of genesis of this, like who Putin is, why he's so mad why he's all up in Ukraine's business, why he's literally in Ukraine right now. So now I'm sure our, my audience wants to know what's going on, because we're seeing bombs, we're seeing the dirt. So as of now, um, the latest reports are approximately 200,000 people have fled Ukraine. Um, they claim around 200 people have, the Ukrainians have died, according to the Ukrainian Defense Ministry, including civilians. Um, I saw that a, a children's hospital was actually bombed, and I think there was one casualty, which is just, just mind-boggling. They've been they've been they've been hitting missiles at um, residential um, buildings as well. They've been like they've been, but what I've seen they've been mainly Russian military's mainly been targeting like tactical spots like air bases, airports, gas plants, electricity places. Um, but allegedly, like over four thousand Russian troops have been killed. And from what it seems from UK intelligence, um, US intelligence, Ukrainian intelligence, that Russia aren't doing as well as they thought. Because I've, I generally, because uh, the, the intelligence that Ukraine, Ukraine, sorry, that Russia, sorry, another slip, you, the US and UK have been saying for weeks has been accurate. They're like, this is all baloney. Putin is full, has already decided he's going to invade. And I think the signs were pretty much there. Um, 
Russia and Belarus are doing military exercises with 100,000 troops firing off serious missiles and bringing tanks again. What type of what type of training is this? And obviously, <laughs> do you see what I'm saying? It's ridiculous. Why do you have 100,000 troops on the border? Oh, we're not going to invade. And then obviously, what's happened really, people? This is how it accelerated. So in part of eastern Ukraine, there's an area called the Donbass region, which is, I think, Donetsk and Donetsk, two yeah. main areas. And there's people there who are separatists, who they want to separate from Ukraine. But a lot of intelligence says that this is just Russian covert operations where they're giving these people, giving these people weapons, money, ammunition, or sometimes they're legit Russian troops themselves that are basically creating this fight and they call it false flagging. And then Russia were like, oh, we need to step in to cause peace. No, no, first, first of all, first of all, they said, oh, these people, these, this region wants to break away. So we're going to sign a decree that makes them an independent state. No, they're still part of Ukraine. And then, oh, because now they're an independent state, we can come in on a peacekeeping mission with tanks, <laughs> a lot of tanks. And then that was, then that became, then all of a sudden, oh, I'm launching special operation because, and then a lot of propaganda was coming out of Russia, like, oh yeah, they're, they're ethnically cleansing, ethnically cleansing um, Russians. Um, they called they called President Zelensky a Nazi, which is very ironic as he's actually Jewish. <laughs> you know, we say. I was, no, so literally, I was like, he's Jewish. Like, like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that, that that Jewish Nazi. We've heard so many about them, and then now they've, as you have you said, they've launched an attack from the south, Crimea, the east, because there were the the border between Russia and um, Russian Ukraine is on the east of Ukraine, and also they've already effectively annexed the um, the Donbass region. And they're also coming from the north through Belarus, who are actually meant to be boys with Ukraine, which is a bit nuts, which is, which is a bit out of order. And yeah, so so since then we've seen fighting, we've seen um, them up, they're starting to surround certain key cities. But the interesting thing so far, I want to get your take on it, is that there seems to be conflicting reports that Russia have claimed, "Yo, we've taken over this city," and everybody's like, um, "No, you haven't." Like, and it seems that Putin's plan was always to kind of basically take over Ukraine within two weeks, but. It seems to be going a lot slower than they imagined. Yeah, I mean, some some of the reports says that you know he, he, he they only plan it to take a couple of days because the idea is that or the thought they and, and what they believed is that the um, Ukrainian army would capitulate. You know, the Ukrainian army. I mean, Ukraine is still relatively young. Mm. The idea is that a lot of the army uh, fighters are young, kind of young people, so to speak, and so they would just kind of capitulate. And and Russia, just so we're aware, has one of the biggest armies in the world. You know, they have long range missiles. You know, th- th- these are, this is technology that Ukraine doesn't have. So, um, yeah, come, the, the report is hard to keep up with what's going on. You know, I, I've been inundated with questions the, these last few weeks from friends, family, like, which, what do we believe at this stage? And mm. it is hard. And I tried to read as many kind of, you know, the, the, you know, the, the AP and the BBC and whatever. And from, from what I know, anyways, um, uh, 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 Russian troops are, uh, have entered Ukraine's uh, second largest city, uh, Kharkiv, I believe it is. Yeah. It is what it is so i know that they're well based on this um report they're there and there's fighting going on there and you know we're talking on the streets here we're talking you know uh, gun combat and things like that you know the army tends to come in in the in the uh, at dusk and and, and cut or dawn essentially the one that's the night <laughs> that's when they that, that that's when they seem to be coming in and, and yeah you know there's great belief in the ukrainian side 
from from all the reports. So even if you're following Zelensky on Instagram or on Twitter, there is a deep kind of passion to fight for the democracy that they have. Now, that passion and that fight for your country is very different to just the, the motivation you might have as a soldier to just extend the imperialist aims of a dictator. Do you know 1,000%. I mean? so, so, so I do think, I mean, I, um, the Ukrainian defense minister, I think he tweeted that, you know, the the he was praising these countries' defense and he was like, the world doubted them, but like, you know, they're, they're going to fight and if they're going to take this country, you're going to have to kill, you're going to have to kill me. I mean, we've seen people like uh, Klitschko, yeah. uh, world heavyweight champion, uh, once saying that, even though he's he could be anywhere in the world, he's very very rich. He's saying I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna stay and fight. And there's just there's just lots of people who are saying I'm gonna stay and fight for this country. And I think um, I think I think um, Putin will, you know has been challenged a bit. You know, and and, and will, will be interesting to see what actually happens in, in about a week's time. Yeah, it's very very interesting. Um, even President Zelensky said like, I've been offered to leave. I'm in the streets. Like I'm outside. <laughs> like I'm outside, bro. I'm not leaving. Yeah, and, catch me outside. Yeah, like he's like I'm not leaving my people. Like we're gonna stay here. Fuck, we're not having this. Like. Like we're not going to be overrun by Russia. Like so, if some update for you people: um, that um, men age eighteen to sixty are prohibited from leaving. Sorry, guys, you have to rise it. <laughs> you have to rise it from other Ukraine. That's what that's what Zelensky's telling you. And um, yeah, it's in, it's interesting. I was reading obviously on Twitter. I just like search so much stuff, so I'm reading things from all different perspectives. But like a former. I can't, let me know if I'm butcher work, but he was somebody who was very high up in US military and he did like an analysis piece. And then he was like, two reasons why he's optimistic. He, he said he was very optimistic. Two reasons why he was optimistic about Ukrainians being able to like hold off and push away Putin. One of them, he says that um, the Ukrainians are better trained than the Russians. The Russians have more resources and they have like, they have more people, more weapons because, but they're very poorly trained very very poorly trained a lot of their generals aren't that good um whereas he goes the ukrainians they've been retrained as of in in recent years so he goes they're actually very retrained they got some good they got some good generals they got some good um, lieutenants all them all them army terminologies and he secondly goes morale he said morale is so keen battle he goes when you're defending your home nation you're fighting with for a greater cause so your level of fight and your morale is different like we've seen it in vietnam we've seen it in cuba for the bay of pigs when you're defending your home turf against a much larger opposition, that morale level is different. And he said that when you, and he said stuff like these Russian soldiers, the morale is that when they realize that the people back home aren't supporting them, what they're doing is kind of wrong. He goes, that plays into the mind of a soldier, your morale and that plays into the mind of battle. And we start to see that because I think you alluded to it before that people in the streets of Russia are starting to protest. I think 17, like 1700 people like, were arrested in the first day for protesting in, in yeah. St. Petersburg and all those type of places so that's very it's, interesting it's, it's, it's sad though because when you protest in Russia like it, it, it ends in a cell pretty much yeah it's absolutely so, so, so they're very good at quashing dissent and very good at quashing people protesting um, you can you can also achieve a lot with brainwashing I mean you know so, you know, circa um, um, North Korea mm -hmm. there's a lot you can do to kind of get to, to hold people with, with, with a narrative but you know, the sad reality, I know you kind of asked me before about how does this all end. The sad reality is, whilst I'm super optimistic about 
um, you know, what, what, uh, what the Ukrainian people can do. I think it's so vital for the whole of Europe. And it's such a shame because of the way diplomacy works that we can't, you can't put boots on the, um, on the ground. If you, some people have asked, you know, why doesn't the UK just send people, Germany, whatever. If they do that, more people will die. And, and, and the whole thing gets escalated. So it's, it's a question of, you know, let's see how far the Ukrainians can go by themselves. Let's support them with arms. Let's send them, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, missile uh, technology and, and whatever it is. Um, but 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 there's a reality that Russia does uh, take uh, care of the capital city. There's a rea- there's a reality that he does destabilize a lot of the institutions. That he does, um, you know, install a kind of puppet you know, regime, if you like, and say that, oh, they've surrendered now, there's now a new leadership, and, and, and it becomes like Belarus, where the Belarus, the, the Belarusians don't normally, don't naturally get along with the Russians, but because he has the, the government in his pocket, he pretty much can use it as like a, as a shop and, and do whatever he wants with. That's a very real reality, uh, and I think it's, it's one that a lot of countries are bracing themselves for, what does it look? What does a Ukrainian control? What does yeah? What does a, a, a puppet government controlled by by Russia look like for Ukraine and and their future ambitions? Yeah. So um, we talk about like diplomacy. So like as of like late last night, um, it was announced that the U the UK, the US, and the EU have ag- agreed to cut um, major Russian banks out from the SWIFT swift payment system and that's like one of the harshest sanctions possible speak on like what you've seen during the week because it seemed like to me that the uk and the us would seem pretty ready to sanction russia pretty heavily and then germany was like um ah, i know about that and everybody was like hold on what <laughs> are you not see what's going on and then eventually they've reached that point so how do you think so what was your thoughts on the how long it took to get to the severe sanctions of basically cutting off german banks from basically using swift um, international payment settling system and i know in the us they said yeah basically like most of your banks you can't access dollars so like yeah well it's difficult i think this is the you know to your point about diplomacy a lot of people just think why don't countries just do these things Mm -hmm. and just make the action done but of course when you're in charge of leading a country uh one that shares land that, that shares borders with russia with ukraine you know there's a very delicate symbiotic system where but what happens in one country affects what happens in another country. And so Russia is essentially thinking about their, their interests. Uh, other European states were mm. accusing, sorry, uh, Germany, other European states were accusing Germany of, of self-interest and selfishness, as it were. But they have to do that because they're responsible for, the, for, the, for you know, pretty much Russia, France, and, and, and some of the bigger states um, are responsible for, the, for that whole European Union setup, as it were. Mm-hmm. So any, any slowness you're seeing is literally because folks are fearful of what the uh, repercussions uh, uh, could be the sanctions eventually will work but sanctions take time um you know i just speak to a friend yesterday about our intervention in 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 apartheid in south africa the sanctions when i say our i mean the uk the sanctions there took took 10 years to compound Mm. and 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 and, and, you know and and uh, before they achieved their aim but right now i mean i know i know this is your bag but you know the, the Russian economy is in tatters, right? It's been in um, tatters, and and some, <laughs> and some people believe that Putin has kind of done this to then bring to the table removing sanctions on them if he kind of backs out. That's what that's some that's some phrase I've seen. So yeah, so it's it's hard to know. So you know, 
I, I remember, you know, and I'm sure all of these have changed because I was reading this like, you know, two days, uh, the, the first day after the invasion, Russian stock obviously uh, crashed like 40%, lost 40% value. Um, there's going to be a big issue around the world because to my knowledge, Ukraine's responsible for about 8% of world grain supply. Gas prices went up 60%. The price of oil uh, per barrel went up, uh, I think, $100. The highest, the highest it's been in, like, in about seven years or so. Um, and, like, you know, so, 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 so the idea is the only way you catch Russia's, uh, Putin's attention is by going after his money and his kind of leadership, his friends and the, the oligarchs and all the people who got the states, uh, the states, um, the states' resources when 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 uh, when the Soviet Union fell. You know, that's one thing that happened. They divided the states' assets and gave it to certain people, and that's how kind of they, they, they their wealth began. So so sanctions are all we have, and and uh, I wish more countries would would wake up to that. Mm. But of course, you have to understand, like, we've all been doing business with Russia for years because Russia's branding, you remember, when you first came on the scene, was, you know, I'm a pragmatic leader you can do business with. Mm. He was at every world conference, shaking hands with all the prime ministers and, you know, kind of um, a pragmatic Russia that's put the Soviet Union in the past. And it's all about kind of, you know, the future. And so we've been doing businesses, business together. Our, our economies are becoming more intertwined. We, we become dependent on oil and gas. And, and so to just randomly now go, we're just going to sanction you and cut you out of the European or the Western uh, economic system, it, it's very difficult to do that without shooting ourselves in the foot. Hence why diplomacy is so complicated. Yeah, 100%. It'll be very interesting to see now these level of sanctions. Obviously, they're frozen assets. They've put sanctions on Putin and his, like, his people, his inner circle, his friends and stuff like that. So it'll be very interesting to see. Um, I'm trying to think if we have, is there anything we haven't covered? What did you say? I'm trying to think if there's anything we haven't covered about this current oh. that people will want <laughs> well, to know. Well, I guess maybe one thing people often, actually, no, it's a small thing I think you can probably, you can probably no, mention. No, yeah, but go on, go on. People often talk about kind of how can they help or what can they do and and so you can maybe encourage folks to just kind of do their own research, number one, but then uh, put pressure if they if they can on their MPs, but also um, try and support um, kind of uh, f fundraising efforts that they think are legit for, for people who are something like that might be good to mention. Yeah, definitely. Especially for I've seen, um, unfortunately, like African people have been struggling to get out of Ukraine. Um, I've seen that a lot on social media. So definitely initiatives helping DAX. I know a lot of my audience is um, African based. So that's heartbreaking. <laughs> People trying to leave and there's still racism at the, foot at the footsteps of war, which I just find insane. We ain't, we ain't got time for that. Like there's bombs dropping uh, at home. Talking things, man. Um, and because and I was so focused on the actual story, I missed it. Mm -hmm. So I watched the interview live when uh, the old, I think it was an old general came on and he was like, what I'm seeing is so sad. I'm seeing, you know, people with blonde eyes and uh, sorry, blonde hair. European. And I was like, what? I was, I, was, I was like, why would you mention like what Aryan race? Like, what kind of weird way to describe? I was, I was thinking, is this guy is this guy drunk or something? This is an <laughs> odd thing to say. It didn't even make sense in his sentence. You know, it's like what? It's insane. <laughs> 
It's totally the same. But, so, anyway. this, so for this reason, is, this one is in, is ingrained. Yeah, knee deep. <laughs> knee deep. Like, what, what, why, why should we, with our blonde hair and European, uh, the European names, be refugees? I thought it was for them, you know, for them serious in the Africans. Like, that's not us. It's insane. Totally insane. But yeah, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Thank you um, for joining. People, please make sure you use the Dishonomics hashtag or just tweet me or or Mike if you have any questions. I'm going to link um, Mike's um, good work in the description so you can check the comment section and check the YouTube and all that stuff. But yeah, on to next people. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm having you soon. Or, yeah, or, next week. Or, 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 so, yeah, next week. So you'll see, you'll be, you, we'll be speaking again very, very shortly. <laughs> we shall. Thanks, mate. Sports Social Podcast Network.